All right. Before I say anything, I want to say that song you sang, or that we all sang, and can it be, as one of my best songs. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's Pastor Tommy know all the things about me. <laughs> it's one of my best songs. After I got saved, I don't know if, you, if many of you know my story, but after I got saved, I got into hymns because I was singing contemporary music uh, most of my life as a Pentecostal. And Amazing Grace was wonderful. I remember the first time we sang it in our church after I preached on salvation. And people were crying, literally crying. Amazing Grace that we sang every day. So you don't know what you have. I hope you, you should know what you have in the hymns that you're singing and the wonderful music that you have. Then I got to hymn number 24 in our hymn book, which is And Can It Be? And just the words alone moved me so much. The music moved me. And till date, still moves me. I, I love that song because I look back. Am I even worth dying for? You know, all I've done in my life and Jesus still saved me. You know, it, it, it still touches me, still moves me. And uh, when I was singing it, it was kind of off. I looked at my wife. What's wrong with this song? She's like, oh, it's different in this hymn. I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> because I know this song so much and I was trying to sing it and it was a little bit different. So it's hymn 44 and our hymn now is hymn 24. Anyway. Um, it's wonderful to be here again. I love to come here and preach. I, I was ordained by Pastor McMurtry about a couple years ago, 2021. And every time I'm here, I'm, I'm at home. I, I feel like I'm at home with everyone. I'm honored to be invited or to be allowed up here to preach. I'm honored for this opportunity. And this time around, I asked to come. Uh, because I wanted to be an encouragement, I wanted a fellowship, uh, I wanted to be with Pastor Tommy, and I wanted to, you know, be friendly, you know. I just, I just want to spend time with you guys. And although we might be far from each other, although my church is hours and hours away, I want you to know that we're always there. I am there, right? We are praying for you, and we're brothers, and we're in it together, in this world and this struggles, amen? So you have friends in me, you have friends in us. But coming here thinking, oh, I'm going to be encouraging you guys. I'm going to be helping you guys. I'm the one getting all the encouragement. I'm the one getting all the blessings. Everyone's taking care of me. My gas tank is being filled up. I mean, I stop at the gas station. And they're like, hey, how you doing? Like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, anything you want. Fill up your tank. It's like, wow. Then I um, invited to the camp, the family camp. I'm, I'm getting blessed. I'm getting knowledge, information, things I'll use to go help my church. So, yes, you guys have always been a blessing, still a blessing, and it's just wonderful. It's my first time camping, uh, ever, never camped before. Coming from where I came from, coming from Nigeria, camping is like a punishment. It's like homeless people. <laughs> so, we're, I'm running away from that. <laughs> Not to come here and like, oh yeah, let's go camping and relax. Don't get me wrong, it, is, it was relaxing, it was a blessing, you know, it's time off, you know, just take yourself away. The kids played, even my daughter said, thank you daddy for this, because their first time too, was, hey, it's my first time camping. And it wasn't even real camping, as Pastor Tommy said, <laughs> we're in a cabin with AC. <laughs> so, I can't imagine camping in tents, you know, worried about bears and cougars, at least we have that in Pennsylvania, not here. So, that was, I was asking him as, soon as we're driving in. So what kind of wild animals do you guys have? <laughs> so uh, you guys have no- nothing really to be scared of compared to PA, camping in PA, where they're warning you about your food, cover your food, cover your this. Uh, so that's why I was like, why am I putting my life at risk? Just stay at home <laughs> and be safe. 
I mean, I'm here with my family. My wife is at the back. All of us at the back, you know. We have to stay at the back, back of the bus. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's because of my kids. <laughs> they make a lot of noise. <laughs> I have uh, two little ones that would take over the show here. So that's why my voice is loud. So you guys, they can hear me in church, my church, uh, because they make noise. Anyway, um, so I'm here with my wife, and she's having a blast. You know, it's just the best vacation ever. No, I'm kidding. She's not on vacation. She's working 247 at night. People are waking up. So I'm very grateful for my wife and, you know, allowing me to be able to preach and to be able to come here and do the work I have to do. Anyway, it's been refreshing. I've been enjoying it. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time again to preach your word. I pray, O oh Lord, that you fill me with the Holy Spirit and fill all of us with the Holy Spirit. Help us to be able to assimilate your word. Help us to understand, open our eyes of understanding. And I pray, Lord, that we'll not just be hearers of your word, but also doers in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Matthew chapter 19. Look at verse 21. Matthew 19, verse 21. The Bible says, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The title of my sermon this morning is, Riches of Life versus the Richness of Life. I'll say that again. Riches of Life versus the Richness of Life. Jesus said, we cannot serve God and mammon. And that is true. And there's an interesting fact why he said God and mammon. Because the riches of life is very tempting. It's very, uh, it lures everyone. Not just unbelievers, including believers. Seeing we still have this flesh, let us not put our, drop our guards concerning the temptation of the riches of this world. The desire to be rich, I'm talking about. As the Bible says, they that will be rich, that means they that want to be rich, uh, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts that drown men in destruction and perdition. The rich young ruler was ready or was not ready to give up his riches, to give up his possessions. That means the mammon in his life. He wanted it. He was sorrowful because he had great possessions, the Bible says. So he had another God before God. He had his affection, his devotion to mammon. That's why you cannot serve God and mammon. You have to choose one. So he loved mammon and he couldn't let go. Many men have been drowned in destruction and perdition because of their chasing riches. And there are no exceptions. You can say, oh, I'll chase riches as a believer. I'll go for riches. I'll seek after riches. I'll labor to be rich. But, you know, I'll still go to church. I'll still... No, no, no. You can't serve God and mammon. So there's the riches of life and there's the richness of life. And which one are you going to go after? The riches or the richness. So we, we live in the best nation, in my opinion, on earth. So America is the best nation. It affords us a lot of luxury and the opportunity to be rich. And that is where the temptation comes. I mean, if, you're, if you make up your mind to be rich, you can be rich in this country. You can be rich in this nation. Unlike in many other nations. No matter how much you make up your mind, <laughs> you can go to school and school and you end up homeless on the streets. Even if you're working, they end up not paying you. People work for years and they're not paid. Civil government, civil workers. It's not just private workers cheating the people. No, the government still not pay you. You can't imagine that happening here. So we live in the best nation. And we're living in such luxury that the monarchs of years, years past, 
don't even understand, cannot comprehend how much luxury we are living in. So the temptation is like never before for all of us because of these opportunities. To be clear, the riches of life versus the riches of life. This sermon is not about riches on earth versus the rewards or eternal rewards that we get in the world to come. No, I'm not focused on laying up treasure in heaven. Yes, that's a good thing, but that's not what this sermon is focused on. I plan to talk about the richness of this very life. You know, instead of set, uh, going for the riches of this life, how about you go for the richness of this very life? So, by riches, I mean the abundance of your possessions. Abundance of possessions that you have. These earthly possessions. Material things that the world can offer. Your houses, your land, your cars, even prestige, fame, all of that. So, all the, the earthly things that will pass away. The temporary things that will pass away that the world offers. Now, richness is the state and quality of being rich. Understand as believers, I'm preaching to the church, amen? As believers, we are rich. Now, we have true riches. So, we have that richness, and that's what we should strive for. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So, do you know who your father is, is the question. You know? So, I'm focused on the earthly blessings of God here. The blessings that God will give us here. The blessings of God that make it rich, and he added no sorrows with it. So that's what I'm focused on. So, our aim and only goal should be for the richness of life. To go for the richness of life. Now, of course, it starts with salvation. You have to be saved first. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. So, this is what is shared with us. This is part of the true riches that we have, that we are rich. The riches of his grace that we have. And notice, if there's where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. That's how rich you are. The riches of his grace. So, and those grace is not just for salvation, it's for this life also. We should remain in his grace. That's why the apostles, uh, Apostle Paul in the, in the letter in the New Testament, almost every epistle is like, you know, let the grace of God be with you, pray for the grace of God, the grace of God. It's not saying, oh, let you be saved, let you be saved. It's talking about the true riches of this life, or richness of this life, I should say. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Bible says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So, there's a, there's a richness that God has given us. We are rich. Know who your father is. And that's what you should aim for. Right? Paul was encouraging the Corinthian church at the time to give was encouraging them, using the example of the Macedonians, telling them of the giving of the Macedonians, the richness, or sorry, the riches of their liberality, that is how much they want to give. So that's the Macedonians. What is he talking about? He was not talking about the Macedonians' wealth, physical wealth, and riches of this world, material things. He was talk- because the Macedonians were afflicted, they were in deep poverty, but he was talking about the riches of their liberality. How much they want to just give themselves over. The Bible says in Revelation 2.9, I know thy works. Jesus was writing to the church in Simnia. I know their works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich in parenthesis. That means, hey, you're rich. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty. He was talking about physically. But understand that you're rich. Because he's talking to believers. The richness of life. But thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say that they are Jews and are not, are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So, 
back to the Macedonians. They were willing to give, and he was writing to the Corinthians about that. They were willing to give, and they gave themselves first over to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. They gave themselves first to the Lord, then they were now willing to share and to give and all of that. So the Macedonians were persuading Paul to receive their gifts. Paul was like, no, I don't want to receive it. You guys need this. But the richness of their, or the riches of their liberality, just, I just want to give, I want to give. And he's using that as an example to the Corinthians, right? The Macedonians knew that they were rich. That is why uh, they were in that state of richness. And that's why they were ready to give even the little that they had. So, Paul is saying, Corinthians, learn from them. That's learn from the Macedonians. As we should learn from them. Which goes without saying. So, learn that you are rich. Jesus became poor so that you are rich. And he's not talking about material things. Jesus did not become poor so that you could buy Rolls Royce and have ten houses and all of that. That's not why he died. Amen? So, it's not for ethnic possessions. It's rich in grace. Rich in mercy. So that you can come to the throne of God, throne of grace, and call him Abba Father, right? Rich in faith and the love of God. God wants us to be rich in these things. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 8, the Bible says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all, of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Salvation and the life that follows. That's what Paul was preaching. In James chapter 2 verse 5, says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, had not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith? See, they have some riches. Right? Rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him. So I'm just showing you, because they are poor, or because they don't have material wealth, doesn't mean you are not rich. Amen? So we are overcomers. We have overcome this world. We should not have the love of this world, because we're in this world, we're not of this world. Alright. The rich... Riches of life, or I should say the uh, richness of life. I'm going to be confused a lot of times, so just follow me in case I make a mistake. (laughs) The richness of life is more than being saved. Look at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. As you open there, I'll read you Romans 11. Romans 11, 33. The Bible says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So salvation is just scratching the surface. I mean, the depth of the riches of God, it's, it's more than we can comprehend. The wisdom, the knowledge, and these are the things that God wants us for our life, how to live our life after salvation too. So these are the true riches. They are the word of God. The wisdom, the knowledge of God, the ways of God. Amen? So you're there in Luke 16, look at verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For, ye, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, and the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. So, God has given us the power to make wealth. He has given us the strength, the wisdom, everything that you have to make wealth. He has given that to us. Now, if you're unfaithful in managing it, remember, our power to make wealth, everything that we have is for His pleasure. It's for His own use. 
because we are purchased with a price. So he has given you that, the ability to make wealth. He has given you that power, he has given you the wealth that you have. If you cannot manage that, and he calls it, yes, little, uh, what, how do you call it? Commit to your trust. Unrighteous mammon. The little things, if you cannot manage the little one he has given you, you then how would he give, put to your trust the true riches? Amen? So after salvation, how are you managing the physical blessings that you have? How are you managing that? Are you using it for yourself, for your loss, or are you using it for the Lord? So it's yourself or the Lord. And you might think, oh, I'm serving myself, but you're serving mammon. Because you're answering to mammon, and you're not answering to the Lord. So, are you serving God for gain? So after salvation, everything I'm doing is just so I can get gain. It's just so I can be rich, so I can be wealthy, so I can live a good life, per se. You know, pursuit of happiness. So, if that is for yourself, then you're thinking gain is godliness. Then that is wrong then you're lacking the true riches. The Bible says in Psalm 119, Psalm 119 verse 72, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. The law of thy mouth, the ways of the Lord, the things that God wants us to do, is better than the riches of this world. Open to Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 9 verse 21. Job also said, remember Job? He also said in uh, 23, Job 23, 12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Because you, you look at David and say, oh yeah, it's gold and silver. I don't need gold and silver, I just need food. You know, I'm going to strive for food. I'm going to look for food and the necessities of life. Oh, that's what I'm doing, Pastor. I'm just looking for the necessities of life. I'm just working because I need to feed myself. Or I need, you know. So that's why I'm submitting to mammon for the necessities of life. Oh, yes, what Job said. This is the guy that I've experienced riches. He was the richest man. He was the most righteous man. And he said, he esteemed the words of the mouth of God more than his necessary food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, he was very rich, but he still valued true riches. He knew the difference. Just as in Ecclesiastes, you can see the difference. So, over the necessities of life. Food, raiment, clothes, shelter, over that. So, who are you putting your trust in? Are you trusting in mammon or are you trusting in God? You're there in Romans chapter 9, look at verse 21. Had not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? So, the Calvinists will stop there and say, yeah, you see? You know? <laughs> God is going to make one to dishonor, I want to honor, so God made them that way to go to hell. That is wrong. Amen? So keep reading. What if God, willing to shew his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us, whom he had called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. So this is what God is doing. Every, we are all, all that is saved or unsaved, we are still alive to show the glory of God in the lives of believers. God is reserving and is enduring those guys that have rejected him. Those are the ones that are made unto dishonor. Because he had predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Because he had the foreknowledge that we will be saved. So those that he knew that would not be saved, because he's Alpha and Omega, he knew at the end from the beginning. So don't judge, or I say judge, don't condemn uh, God because he knows the end. It's not that he's sovereign, as people use. There's, sovereign is not in my Bible, is it in yours? 
Right? He's not like a, a puppet master controlling people. But I'm digressing. The point is, God is, uh, God is preserving everyone to show His glory, the richness or riches of His glory on the vessels of mercy, which Jesus died for. Jesus died for us. He became poor so that we rich in mercy, rich in faith, rich in love of God, rich in grace. So on these vessels of mercy, He will show his, the, the rich, riches of His glory. Amen? And which is us. And it's not just Jews or Gentiles. It's both, if you believe. So, here we see the riches of His glory, why He left uh, be rich in heaven and became poor. And in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Bible says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So this is what the Macedonian church understood. And this is why they were willing to give themselves first over to the Lord, then over to the brethren. So they, they were giving their things, giving their possessions, and they were rich in that sense. Now, uh, I have five elements of the richness of life. Five elements I want to discuss of the richness of life. Comparing riches versus richness. But before I go into it, open to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes. I want to see what the rich man says about the richness of life. The rich man, the wise man, I'm talking about King Solomon. What is it? He experienced everything. He experienced the height of riches. He experienced uh, wisdom and knowledge, understanding, as God blessed him with. And what did he say? I'll just take a snippet of it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, from verse 10, the Bible says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. So there is no satisfaction with riches. You're searching for riches, you will never be satisfied. Well, I want to get to a stopping point. You know, when I start making this amount of money per year, then another Joe Biden will come in and gas prices go up. So <laughs> you will never be satisfied, right? And you're just going to be chasing your tail. Uh, verse 11, when goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? It's the pride of ownership. It's just saying, I have this. And that's, that's all. I mean, why, why waste your life? I don't want to go ahead of myself, but sacrifice the richness of life for riches that you can only look at and just say, oh yeah, remember when I used to have that nice house and that car or that? Because riches, wealth has wings and can fly away. So it's just talking about it instead of gaining the fruits of the richness of life. So it all goes. Verse 12. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There's no rest for the wicked. Because you say, oh, the rich man, he has abundance. If you're willing to be rich, you're searching for riches, then you'll not be able to sleep. You're always worried about the, the stocks. Or what's going to happen to your car that you parked outside? The second car that you just bought, sorry. <laughs> you know? Or your third car. Or what's going to happen to your house out there in the woods that you, know, you bought for vacation? You know, what's happening there? You can't even sleep. There are many people that, you know, take medicine to sleep every day. Didn't Michael Jackson die because he couldn't sleep? He was just taking medicine and medicine. Anyway, Michael Jackson was a role model of mine back in the day, so. <laughs> oh, that was a past life. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? <laughs> all right, verse 13. There is a sore evil which I've seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. World's riches can hurt. 
Because when you're searching for riches, it tells me something. That you're not wise. And the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. So world's riches will hurt if you're not careful. So, but we'll get to, I'll get, I'll get ahead, um, back to uh, what I want to say about riches at the end. But here it's talking about inheritance. Inheritance that is left for the son or left for the next generation. If you're, those riches can hurt that child. Right? You're saying, I'm just stacking up these riches for my posterity. Oh, it's for my son. I don't want my grandson to lift a finger. You just destroyed your generation. <laughs> because those riches were hurt. Oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm saving all these things so that when I die, I'll just give them to my children. That's why you're not obeying the word of God. You're not esteeming the word of his mouth greater than your necessary food. Verse 14 but those riches perish by evil travail, and he begetteth a son, and there is nothing in his hands. So the riches go as a result of the sinful lifestyle, because it's idle, and I've heard that the idle hand is a devil's workshop. You're just idle, you're not doing anything, and the devil's going to use you. So no inheritance to pass on from that son, because they will all go. Verse 15, he says, As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. And this also is a, sore tra- is a sore evil, that in all points as he came, so shall he go. And what profit had he that had labored for the wind? All his days also he eateth in darkness. That is key. And that's one of my points in, later on. You're just by yourself. You're just ignorant. All your labor, yeah, I'm enjoying, I'm eating, is just in darkness. And he had much sorrow and wrath with his sickness. After laboring and laboring and laboring, you're eating in darkness and much sorrow and wrath. See, if this life is all labor and labor to be rich, then this life, that life that you're living is vain. It's just vanity. And is a sore evil, is vexation of the spirit. Amen? So be careful what kind of life you are leading. Chasing riches of this life or the richness of life, which is what I want to emphasize. So these five elements, is, yeah, it's in a list, but it's not... There's no priority or ranking on the list. They all go together. They're interwoven together. I'll start with the first one. Purpose in life. Purpose in life. Unbelievers find their purpose in life from their interests. Because they don't know that God created them for a reason and for a purpose. So their material riches play a significant role in deciding their purpose in life. How much money you have, you tell you what clubs you go to, right? Whether it's a golf club or <laughs> you just, you know, what kind of boat you buy. You know, whether you're hanging out with these guys, you're hanging out with the big boys or yachts or something. So it depends on how much money they're they are making. That gives them the purpose in life. So their jobs, what they do for a living. In fact, this is how most people describe themselves. You know, my name is John Doe. I'm a medical doctor. You know, and they say, oh, you know, my goal is just to help people. You know, I'm not against describing yourself that way. I mean, that's how we should, especially in the world. But I'm saying people that just, that is my purpose. I'm just doing my occupation or my vocation. Even the military, oh, I'm, just, I'm a veteran of this. I, you know, I fought. You know, that's all their life is about. And that is all material things. That is not about the richness of life. So another thing is enjoyment. So, whatever they enjoy. So, one is what their work is, what their occupation is. Another thing is whatever they enjoy. Sports. Oh, some people wrap their life around their teams. Or, even if they're not playing or watching the teams, even a game. Oh, they're into sports, they're into running, they're into different things. Or, traveling. All they do is to work, to travel. That's my goal. You know, that's what they do. And all these are their purpose in life. 
Just seeing sights, seeing things. Some people, it's health, longevity of life. Oh, I'm just doing everything to eat well, organic, uh, non-GMO, all of that. And that is their purpose in life, to ex- extend their health. You know, or nature lovers, right? People that love nature, they go camping every time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So you just go to nature and just stay one with the wild beast, I guess. You know, one, one with the trees and everything. You know, you, I, I knocked at the door. This has happened a few times. I knocked at the door. Somebody, are you, uh, somebody's door so winning. Are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? Of course. Oh, how do you know? You know, I save cats. I rescue animals. I'm like, what? <laughs> I said that in my mind. <laughs> you know, I rescue animals. You see, I rescue all them. I take them. I, I take the care of them. You know, I, I, I'm first taking it back. <laughs> if I got it myself. <laughs> so all these animal lovers that rescue animals, I think they're the greatest. And that is their duty. That's their job. Oh, I travel here. I get them from Maryland. And I bring them to this shelter. And I foster them. I'm the foster parent. You guys really explaining how saving animals is going to take into heaven? Hey, now, let me bring it home. Your children. Some people, their whole goal in life is just their children. Everything, my child, my child. Their child is ruling the house, is ruling them. You know? If that is your purpose in life, doing everything for the whims of your children, then you have your priorities out of order. That's completely out of order. So, you will never find fulfillment in all these things. Riches don't satisfy. Silver and gold, if you love it, will never satisfy. The future is always bleak concerning these things because things get worse in worldly thinking. In a worldly sense, things get worse. Jobs end and people retire. So, when you retire, you're no more a medical doctor. What are you going to do with your life? Right? When you cannot do that work that you want to do, you're too old for it or you get hurt in sports, what are you going to do with your life? The enjoyment also ends. I mean, read Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You know, height will be so high for you. You're shaking. You can't taste anything. So you, you travel to Italy. Oh, I want to taste the food in Rome. You have Venice. You know, Venice is almost underwater now, right? And you travel to uh, Paris, right? Not Paris, all of you. You travel to uh, France and you want to taste the wine. And you want to take... By the time you get old, no taste. You see them putting salt in their food. There's a lot of salt. Just to have taste. <laughs> So all that goes. See, our body is dying every day. Health will go. There are many rich people that are trying to extend their health and they're living a horrible life. Nature itself also will end. I mean, nature cannot save you. (laughs) People just want to be one in nature. People that have loved nature, many of them have died by wild beasts. Just walking in the park. Oh, And when they die, or if they are hurt, they'll come back and say, oh, it's not the wolf's fault. The wolf was doing what the wolf normally does. It's my fault. I came into his territory. It's like... <laughs> I've watched those things and I'm, I just shake my head. These people d- have missed the point <laughs> completely. <laughs> then children also become adults. Children leave the house. So if your life is all about your children, when, when they leave the house, what are you going to do with your life? That's why many people break up because they were together because of their children. So after their children leave, they're, they're aimless. They start doing horrible things. Because they don't have any aim in life anymore. And horrible things include controlling their marriages. Like, hey, that's still my child. So you still do what I tell you to do. So that's wrong too. Um, On the other hand, believers already know their purpose in life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. The Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained. 
that we should walk in them. So before we even say, God already knows. These are the works that we're supposed to do. And this, by reading the Bible, then you will know the ways of God that God has ordained for us. So, to love the Lord, to love God. The Bible says we love Him because He first loved us. So, loving Him is not just working. It's actually affection for the Lord. Affection for the things of God. Then, doing the work. If you love me, you obey my commandments, Jesus said. Then the reasonable service, to be a living sacrifice. These are our purpose in life. This is what God has created us to do. To be a soldier for Christ. A soldier of God. Ready to fight the good fight. Knowing what hill to die on. Unlike the world's military. That you're fighting for the lust of men. Putting your life on the line. Killing yourself, basically, for the lust of for other men's lust. Then being an ambassador for Christ. Like the woman at the well, as soon as she got saved, Jesus did not say, okay, so now what you're supposed to do, she just took off. <laughs> Believers already know what they should do. I mean, we know the basics of what our life should be about. And she got people saved. Woman at the well. So, as ambassadors, guys, we are representing God. So we should be representatives of God here on earth. Then, disciples of Christ, right? The Great Commission, being a light unto this world. I mean, is there any greater purpose than what we have? Is there anything else to live for? What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Nothing. So, living for Christ, that's what will truly glorify the Lord. Being a vessel unto honor, dying with peace and fulfillment. That you've done what you're supposed to do. Nobody on that deathbed says, Ah, you know, I wish I walked overtime. You know, <laughs> I wish I, I, I got that second boat. Or, you know, nobody thinks that. That they wanted to work more and get more money. They now start looking back or thinking about the richness of life that they should have had. Alright, point number two. Relationships. Relationships. These are the riches that we have. The richness of life that God has given us. The true riches. In Proverbs 19, verse 4, the Bible says, Wealth maketh many friends. But the poor is separated from his neighbor. So to have friends, you must show yourself friendly, the Bible says. So a wise man uses his wealth to make friends. Uses the little that he has to gain people, gain relationships, and gain friendship. But he that seeketh after riches is not a wise man. So his friends are not his friends. Because he's seeking after the wealth. He's not seeking after the relationship, right? Seeking after the wealth. So his friends are the friends of his wealth. So they are friends with him. No, no, no. With his wealth. <laughs> Once the wealth goes, it's gone. That is not a true relationship. Right? That, that is not, that, those are not true friends. It's like the prodigal son. I mean, he had everyone following him. He was a cool guy. But as soon as his wealth dried up, there was nobody with him. Nobody even wanted to help him. After he spent all his money on them. So he has, it's either he has friends of his wealth or he has no friends. And there are many rich people like that. They are focused on riches. They either have no friends or friends of their wealth. So many rich people have few real relationships. This includes their family. They don't even have a relationship with their family. Or they don't even have a family. <laughs> they are not looking to get married or anything like that. So because they are going after riches. So they have few and they spend all their power and all their time making wealth. Relationships take an investment of time and resources. What are you spending your time on? What are you spending your resources on? Which is monetary resources or the things that money cannot buy, right? So, richness of life is found in relationships with your spouse, that is marriage, your family, with your children, with brethren, 
I mean, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, the Bible says. That, that's the richness of life. When you have the relationship with your brethren. And with your neighbors. Open to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8. As you open there, I'll read you Proverbs 27 verse 10. The Bible says, Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. That means God is saying there's work you have to do to keep the friendship. There's time you have to spend, resources you have to spend. Don't forsake your friend. Don't forsake your father's friend. Because it's something that should pass on generations and generations. You should keep that. Because it's the richness of life that he wants you to have. He keeps going. Neither go, in, sorry, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. That means you should have a relationship with your neighbor. That's what God is saying. This is what you need. Not, oh, I just, I have my, just my family or, no, people around you. Relationships. How you live your life. God has, God made us to live, uh, the ways of God helps us to have good relationships. And he has provided a church for us. Brethren. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, look at verse 8. The Bible says, There is one alone and there is not a second. Yea, he had neither child nor brother. See? There are many people like that. Yet, there is no end of all his labor. I mean, what are you working for? There are some houses you pass by. 18 rooms. Two swimming pools. It's like, no child. How, like, they sleep in this room Monday, Tuesday, next room Tuesday. In fact, no, no, no. They stay in this wing on Monday, and this wing on Tuesday. I, was, I used to joke with my wife, and I'm like, one wing would just be like, filled with cobwebs. It's like, and they're paying people to clean it and clean it. There's no end to their labor. They're just walking and walking. <laughs> the Bible talks about it. So it's no surprise. When you read the Bible, things come to life. You just see, oh wow, God is talking about real things. Neither is his eye satisfied with riches. Neither saith he, for whom do I labor and bereave my soul of good? This is also vanity. Yea, it is a sore travail. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he had not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, I might be using all the extreme examples just to drive my point home. But... I, I know we're not thinking of having mansions with 18 bedrooms and stuff like that. But if your, your goal is just, oh, I just want more and more. You're searching for more than you can afford. And therefore, you're working and striving for that. Instead of the things of God, putting your priorities right, you fall into the, the same category. Hey, it's even foolish and worse for you because you're a child of God. So, remember, we are, all, we are commanded to love one another. That is a command. We owe it to ourselves to love one another. And the Bible says one will chase a thousand and two will put ten thousand to flight. See why he wants us to be in relationships. He wants us to be together. He wants the church to be unified and the church to walk as one. Alright, let's go to point number three. Good health. Good health. So remember the, issue, the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse 25, I'll uh, just read a part of it. Mark 5, 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood, 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. I'll stop there. All that she had, 
All your wealth can just go like that. Because of there's a richness of life, which is good health. Good health that God gives us. So sometimes we take good health for granted until we are sick. And good health uh, does not mean that you're without sickness. Don't get me wrong. So uh, we all fall sick once in a while. I'm not saying, you know, like uh, prosperity preachers and holiness people. Oh, wow, once you're in sickness, then you're in, you're in sin. You know, sickness and sin, they go together, all of that. So believers fall sick. Open to Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. Exodus 15, 26. Uh, John was writing and he said in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospered. Hey, that means that beloved wasn't being in health. So believers fall sick and it's a prayer that we get better and all of that. Now, if you're not familiar with the hospitals in your area and the pharmaceuticals in your area, then you have good health. But if you walk into the hospital and they're like, Hey, how's your kid? How are they doing? <laughs> then you don't have good health. It's as simple as that. So, <laughs> Exodus 15, verse 26, the Bible says, And said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, God is speaking, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Riches of this world is no match for the sickness that God can put upon somebody. It's no match. The riches just evaporate as the woman with the issue of blood sees. So if that's what you're going for, instead of going for the things of God, the word of God, the ways of God, then the riches can go. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 30 says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. When you disrespect the things of God. You take it irreverently. God punishes the believer with sicknesses. That happens. And uh, again, doesn't mean if you're sick, you're not right with God. Job is a perfect example. Job was perfectly right with God and he had all the worst kinds of sickness. In fact, so bad. <laughs> his, his body, I mean the devil looked for the worst and put it on Job. So the most righteous man on earth at the time uh, was in bad shape. How, uh, how is good health richness of life uh, it's not dependent on the riches that you have like your purpose in life and your relationships in life you say oh my purpose depends on my riches no it's not dependent on that your relationships don't, don't depend on your riches remember the Macedonian church I was talking about I mean they loved the Macedonian church for all that they could give because they knew they were rich so that's true they had true riches in Proverbs 17 verse 22 the Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Open to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14 verse 7. So, there is no life in dry bones. Blood, life of man is in the blood, as the Bible says. Life of the flesh is in the blood. And where do you think blood comes from? From the bones. From the bone marrow. That's what makes blood. So, a broken spirit dryeth the bones. So it's indirectly saying, you're not going to have life. And you need your white blood cells to fight diseases and all of that. I don't want to go too technical or too biological. I just want to keep it on the surface here. So, uh, what makes a merry heart? The peace of God that passeth all understanding. For a believer, this world is full of tribulation. It's full of trouble. And, but God says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So if you don't have that peace, you're not going to have a merry heart. You're going to have a broken spirit. Right? So, rejoicing even in persecution and affliction, hey, that takes believing the word of God. That takes faith. And we should be rich in faith. We should be rich in the knowledge of God. Let the word of God dwell in us richly in all wisdom, the Bible says. 
So we should know what God has told us and prepared for us. He says, I'm writing all these things, I'm telling you all these things, so you will not be offended. Amen? And if you have peace, you will not be offended. That's what the Bible says. So the Holy Spirit in us, not being quenched, gives us that peace, gives us that joy. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. So, he wasn't mourning like there was no hope. That's why he was fine. He just came back, washed his face, you know. <laughs> he was fine, because he had prayed. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. In Romans 14, verse 17, the Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yes, they're talking about the types of food they're eating. But I want to look at this principle here. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Stress and anxiety destroys our health. And this is, it's hidden. You might not see it. And you get stress. Remember, the rich man doesn't sleep. Can't sleep well. Right? So he has stress. Stress might not directly cause the disease, but it makes them worse. Many of us in our lives have had cancer more than one time. But the body takes care of it. But stress can aggravate it. Can make the cancer worse. Make it, a, make it a come together and become, what do you call that? You know, swell up, basically. And make it a problem. We've all had cancer before. Cancer is a normal thing. But stress. Here are some examples of diseases that are killing people. Heart disease. Alzheimer's disease. Diabetes. Depression. Other mental problems. Obesity. Insomnia. That you cannot sleep. Asthma. Cancer. Common cold or flu. Chronic pains. Autoimmune diseases. Hey, an underlining thing here is stress. That's the doctor. Stress and anxiety is because of the way of life instead of the ways of God. So if yours is about the way of mammon, you're indirectly killing yourself. You don't have good health. You have a chronic pain. You have cancers that will get worse and things like that. The world will suggest, oh, do yoga, you know, mindfulness, whatever that means. You know, that will, that will help reduce stress. That's why yoga has gone up. Because they read, oh, it's stress. Doctors say, oh, you're so stressful. You need to relax. You know, they go to spa. They do yoga. That does, that does not take out the stress. Because they go back the next morning. And how's the weekend? Oh, it's Monday. <laughs> it's Monday. It's just, it's just stressful. And they're happy by Friday. Because they're going to spend time with their family and stuff. It doesn't solve stress. But what will solve stress is camping. Go camping. No, I'm serious. I, it was very relieved. It was very stress-free. Just walking around. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. Hey, it's my first time camping, so I'm just giving you guys all the benefits. Uh, solving stress. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Uh, and I'm time, so I'll go faster. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is the richness of life God wants us to have. Peace. Peace to keep our minds. Not worrying about tomorrow and all of that. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 31, the Bible says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that, knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There are always troubles. But if you're worried and worried and worried, 
Now you might not even see the tomorrow you're worried about. Good health. Bible says in Proverbs 12:25, heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. I'm talking about relationships. See how everything is all together. You you come to church, you fellowship with brethren, a good word. A good word. You come to church, you listen to preaching, a good word. What did the psalmist say? When I went into the house of the Lord, then I knew their end. Then I was fine. You know, he was worried. He was envious. Psalm 119 verse 143 says, Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delight. You have to find something to delight in in this dark world. And that is the word of God, the light that we should live by and propagate. In Matthew 11 verse 28, Matthew 11 28, check this. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You're searching for all these things of life, the necessities of life. Come, I'll give you rest. Because all the other religions, all the other places that want to give you peace, will tell you, hey, you have to work, or you have to pay for this, you have to pay for that. In order to have a good life, you need to buy this, you have to buy that. Even medicine, it's expensive. So, but God is saying, come unto me and I will give you rest. How? So, how is God going to give you rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How can you have peace and rest walking for God? Oh, I don't want to go so winning. It's too much stress. I have to drive all the way and come all back. And I'm going to church again next Sunday. It's stress. No, no, no. That is how you relieve stress. By walking for me. Take my yoke upon you. If not, you have stress in life. <laughs> but it's when you walk for God. When you do the job that you're supposed to do. My burden is light. When you're doing, when you're living or fulfilling your purpose in life. The great commission. That is when you get rest. Because Jesus is walking with us. When we're out there. I mean, what other time can you say God is working with you? <laughs> it's why you're so willing. That's what he wants. Alright, so number one, purpose in life. Number two, relationships. Number three, good health. Number four, contentment. Contentment. Open to First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. As you open there, I'll read you Psalm 23, verse 1. We all know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My question is, who have you given control over your life? Who is guiding your life? That is the question. Because the sheep without a shepherd is helpless. It's almost useless. A sheep without a shepherd. Who has seen a sheep just wandering around? No, you don't see that. You see a goat wandering around, mountain goats, wild goats, all of that. But a sheep is, is like helpless, useless. Any wolf can just come and pick it up. <laughs> you don't see that. Every sheep needs a shepherd. So, we are the flock of God. And sometimes you just look, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I would have gathered you as a hen, gathered as a chicks. Right? Oh, look at my people scattered without a pastor, without a shepherd. And therefore, they are being picked up by the wolves. So, the Lord is my shepherd. When you make God your shepherd, when He is the one controlling your life, hey, guess what? You will not lack. You will not lack nothing. You will not want for anything, as the Bible says. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. See, the true riches, which is the richness of life. I'm talking about this present life. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith 
be content. Luke 12, 15 says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. This was a young man that came to Jesus. Oh, my brother, he's not sharing with me. And Jesus was like, who made me judge of you? <laughs> like, and he looked at everybody and said this. Your life is not just about the things that you own or what you have. They are the true riches. It's not just my own, my own, my own. In Psalm 37 verse 3, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. So that's by trusting in the Lord, and just trusting in the Lord, and just tr- No, no, no. Do good! <laughs> do work! Do what God has commanded you to do. Trust in the Lord and do good, you will be fed. You will dwell in the land. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Because your heart is aligned with the will of God, with the things that God wants. Because you're trusting in Him. You're delighting yourself in the things of the Lord. So, richness of life is satisfying. Striving for riches is covetousness and destruction. Right? Seeking the riches of this life is a snare, is a trap to your soul. Alright, number five, the last one. Liberty. Liberty. Yes, my Liberty Baptist Church, I know that. <laughs> liberty. So we're celebrating our independence, uh, this wonderful country, our nation, our freedom. In a couple of days, we're celebrating that. Now, that does not mean that we should abuse freedom because we have freedom. Does it mean abuse it? The earlier generations didn't. John Adams said, uh, John Adams is the vice president, was the vice president of George Washington, the first president, before he became the second president of the United States. He's also known as the father of the Constitution because he wrote earlier. He wrote constitutions for the earlier states before the main constitution of the country. So he said, our constitution, or constitution, was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's what he said. This guy that was writing the constitutions for different people. And he's, he's called father of constitution because he used his constitutions to make our constitution. So he... Obviously, he knew what the Bible was saying and it was as close as possible to the Bible. So, morality and virtue are the foundation and necessity for freedom. And that is one, that's one of the true riches that God has given us. Uh, liberty. In, open to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 25. As you open, I read you Galatians 5.13. It says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So your liberty is for service, and that is true freedom. In James 1.25 it says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Following this law is liberty. It's freedom. Look into the perfect law of liberty, and continue it therein. He be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. <laughs> that is richness of life. Absolute freedom does not exist. It doesn't. You're either going to be a servant of sin or a servant of righteousness. You choose. You know, choose your destiny. Some people know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> you choose. Whom will you serve? Because oh, I want to be free. I just want to get out of the house and just do anything I want to do. Then you'll be slave to cigarettes. You'll be slave to jail. You'll be slave to different things. The servant of sin. And sin is not a good master. John chapter 8 verse 32. Jesus said... Uh, let's have on 31. It says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, 
Then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Open to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 verse 24. So, remember the story of the prodigal son. He chose riches. Riches have wings and they can fly away, and he knows that very well. He lost all his friends because his friends were the friends of his wealth. And the Bible says, he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. That is how bad. That is the low of low. Rock bottom right there. And he fortunately remembered the richness offered by his father. The richness of life. Even if I don't have all the glories and all the wealth, I just want to be, just want to be fed. Just normal food. I want to be content. I want to have liberty, freedom. <laughs> just like my ser- my, the servants of my father. Yet then in Hebrews 11, look at verse 24, the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. If there was somebody that could just go in history and just be silent and enjoy his life, that would have been Moses. A prince of Egypt. Knew everything, he had Egypt at his feet, and he chose to suffer. He chose to be with the people of God. Now he started off the wrong way, so he ran away. But that was God's plan. And he decided to walk in the plan of God to help uh, to, uh, free Israel. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures in Egypt. And Egypt was the greatest nation at the time. So riches come as a reward. Right? Riches. Now, now I'm talking about richness of life. Now the riches of this world, they come as a reward. Follow me here. Proverbs 22 verse 4. I'm just going to read all this. You can listen. Proverbs 22 verse 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So, being rich is not a sin. It is striving for riches. Right? Loving silver and gold. It's the love of money that is root of all evil. Proverbs 3 verse 16 says, Length of days are in her hand. Talking about wisdom. Length of days are in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. So, for the man that findeth wisdom and understanding, length of days are in the right hand, and on the left hand, riches and honor. Proverbs 8.18 says, Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. Now, after the establishment of the richness of life, after you've established that, using those my five elements, I'm sure there are more, but I just want to pick five. After you've established that, then you can have the riches of this life. But you have to put your priorities in order. You have to be going for the richness of life, not the riches of this life. In Proverbs 14 verse 24, the Bible says, The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. So, because the prosperity of fools will destroy them, then they don't don't have the crown. That, That cannot be a crown for them because it's a destruction for them. Amen? So, riches are to be used for the richness of life. When you are faithful in the little, when you are faithful in what God has given you, then He will give you true riches, which, I mean, you need the money. The Bible says money answers all things. Money does answer all things. But you need that for the riches of life, to be faithful in the much. Amen? Uh, so flee every appearance of evil. Temptation of seeking after mammon, just flee that. 
That's, what I, that's my advice today. Correct yourself if you're drifting towards mammon. If you're drifting towards the law of the riches of this world. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 17, Jesus was rebuking the Laodicean church. He said, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes out, that thou mayest see. So true riches is what we should strive for, is what we should go and buy. The Bible says, uh, open to Matthew 13, Matthew 13. So gold tried in the fire, living with a godly purpose, is, it's not a walk in the park. Is gold tried in the fire, right? I mean, you're being tried. Because in this world, it's tough. Yea, he that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Maintaining relationships needs charity. And charity is the bond of perfectness, the Bible says. So that is also not a walk in the park. That is not easy. This is what God wants us to do. Living stress-free, that is having good health, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That means you're not quenching the Holy Spirit. You're living how God wants you to live. Contentment is learning how to be abound, how to abound and how to abase. Understand, understanding that no matter what God puts, comes, what comes across in your life, you're able to be content. Whether in abounding or in abasing, that is contentment. And being in Liberty Baptist Church is not easy. Sorry, being in Liberty is not easy <laughs> because you're serving righteousness. But God is working with you. Amen? You're walking in the truth. So this is gold tried in the fire. And nothing good comes easy. Matthew chapter 13, except salvation, obviously. Matthew chapter 13, and that didn't come easy for Jesus Christ, I mean for us. Matthew 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. I'll end with these few parables that Jesus gave about the kingdom of God. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man had found, he hid it, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he had, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. God is talking about the kingdom of God, how, how we should take the kingdom of God. It's worth more than all the riches in this world, all that we have. So riches is nothing compared to the richness of life. The rich young ruler still chose mammon after being faced with what money cannot buy. And what is that? Walking with Jesus Christ here on earth. Many people say, oh, I want to go with you. Jesus said, no, 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 go. <laughs> I don't want to go with you. you know? many, Jesus cast out many people that wanted to go with him. But the rich young ruler just said, come, follow me. And he said, no. Why? Because he had great possessions. The riches of this world. So, value the richness of life. Amen? Over the riches of this life. And be not like the young rich ruler. Make sure you have purpose, your relationships, your good health, contentment, and of all, liberty. Not just Liberty Baptist Church. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> thank you for your word, O oh Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for... Teaching us, I pray, Lord, that you open our eyes to see the true riches that we could have, the richness of this life, the blessings that you want to give us here that you added no sorrows with. I pray, Lord, that um, we will not be deceived by the richness, riches of this world, 
uh, we will not be lured into the trap and the temptation and the snares of loving money and loving wealth. Continue to bless us, continue to keep us and help us do your work here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.